0: Hello, everyone. This is Steve Colden, I'm a partner here at BBC Law, and I'm really proud and excited to be starting our podcast today. I have the privilege and honor of being with my esteemed partner and someone I'm lucky to call partner, Tom Giralo. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Steve. Thanks for the
1: nice intro. Uh, I'm pretty lucky to be here too, and I'm glad we are just so ahead of the curve that we decided to start a podcast. No one's thought of it yet.
0: It's brand new. I mean, soon it's going to be. I mean, I guess somebody might get interested in it soon. We'll, who knows? But hopefully it'll catch on. Um, today, we're going to be talking about post COVID trends in the legal community. Um, you know, it, it's funny as we do this via a, a Teams meeting, um, we could talk a little bit about initially how th- the landscape on the legal community is kind of changing a little bit. And we're seeing this kind of hybrid system or back to the office. And I got to tell you, from my perspective, I think it's great. I think we're learning to adjust uh, as a community, especially on the defense side, to make sure we're doing the best for our clients, but also quite honestly, I'm a little bit of a dinosaur, so I like the in-person stuff. What do you think?
1: I you know, I think you sort of you covered the gamut there to say uh, this is the way people feel sort of across the spectrum. I love the hybrid model. Um, you know, I I'm in my house today talking to you, right? And um, for those people that know me pretty well for a while, I was inside a closet outside my master bedroom, and I've upgraded to a room with a window. But I think that maybe the biggest mistake in this era is thinking that there's one hard and fast rule for this stuff. i, I, I some of the places that are kind of issuing mandates, i it just wouldn't work for our firm and the way in which we operate. And I think um some of that stuff's actually really nice about our firm that that people, are given options and and we're giving them options to do things however it kind of gets done and it's not comfortable for everybody like you said you know you're you're a bit of a dinosaur maybe i should leave the house a little bit more often right maybe i should take a, a page out of your book but i do think we're finding ways to make it work and and the idea is more about flexibility these days
0: yeah i i agree and and i think for everybody we learned a lot during COVID, right? How we had to pivot and and do things maybe a little differently for some, and everybody's experience is a little different. But you know, on, on the hard and fast legal side of it, I mean, I'm starting to be back in court more often. Yesterday I had a settlement conference actually in the courthouse down at City Hall here in Philadelphia, which I, I gotta be honest, it's just a breath of fresh air for me because although not down there so much, but <laughs> it's 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 nice to see some of the old faces you haven't seen in literally two or three years um And get back to the old. Um, let's talk about this for a minute. For example, we had this settlement conference and it wasn't going very well. Our settlement master was giving us war story after war story. And I kept saying, can we just kind of cut to the chase here <laughs> and get some numbers out there? And then finally I said, give us a minute. And I called plaintiff's counsel out. We had a, a 10 minute chat. And now I have a better understanding of, of whether the case could get settled or not. I think sometimes you lose a little bit of that. Um, but you know, on the on the flip side of it, it is nice to be in your pajamas sometimes. <laughs> not? I
1: I miss that hallway in City Hall, man. We're exact, you know, just coming out there waiting for those settlement conferences. God, I, I I haven't thought about it in a little bit. And but you make a good point. I think these days, sometimes when we get back together in person. There There's almost a a better opportunity to get something done, because. People are generally happy to see each other. And even still, even though it's it, it, it's a set of feelings and experiences that has come back to life, you know, it's not like it was just yesterday. There are still people and in, in cases that I'm seeing and running into in person for the first time in a long time. And you do feel that there are opportunities to still do things in person that just can't be, can't be duplicated hell like we're doing today. You and I would yeah. do great if we were sitting in a bar today having this, right? But yeah. Um, not end well but it might not end well that's right but uh it just it just keeps kind of going back to what i said earlier that it's about flexibility and maybe thinking through some of these things inside of a case is this witness better for zoom or in person is there something there that you're you're after same thing with the conferences and and making the requests where you can i want to see these people right (laughs) and and i've got to go and do it for one reason or another It's something that just constantly requires an evaluation these days, and and maybe that's one of the takeaways is to say if it's if it's an office policy, it it might be employee to employee from time to time. If it's a case related issue, a a DEP or a settlement conference or a hearing, thinking through what you want to ask for, you know, maybe I'm just as I'm saying it out loud, I'm thinking to myself, maybe I should be doing that evaluation more often inside my own
0: head. Well, I got to tell you, for me, a big part of For example, the deposition process, or even a trial deposition, is the stuff that goes on behind the camera. um, Things that a jury is going to see, and you may not see via Zoom. Um, For example, the interaction between the attorney and and their and their client. What the client does during the break? Are they giving you that fake limp walk and pretending like they're going to die? No Uh, one does that. Or 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 they you know are they seem like a real person? Um, I, I can tell you that, to me, goes a long way. And, it, and it's certainly part of my evaluation in every case is, is what am I seeing behind the scenes that's going to be played out in front of a jury or something that we could use to our advantage or or disadvantage, and we need to know that now. Um, I, I had an excellent plaintiff who did a fair job during her deposition. It was in person. But then at the breaks, she literally broke down another room. She was She had very serious injuries, and you could tell... By the fact that she didn't do it in front of me, she did it privately, and didn't think I could over here, but I could over here, and I'm thinking this is a genuine person, and and it does, you know, it does go a long way. So I I think we can both agree uh, the hybrid model is here to stay, uh, but maybe the takeaway is it's it's case by case, and we think what works best for each situation that you're in. I think that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I agree with that. We do. So one thing that you and I have talked about quite a bit is uh, legal advertising. I'm gonna change gears here a little bit. Sure. And and one thing I've noticed, at least in our area, and I, I guess you know, a lot of people see it all around the country, is this inundation of, of legal advertising. Now, if you're in Florida, you're, you, you probably get it. You've gotten it for years and it, nothing's changed. Yeah. But here in Philadelphia and in other communities, what we're seeing is just a barrage of attorneys who quite honestly, you know, without naming names, I think it's some of this brilliant um, how they say they're protecting America, and um, it just makes me crazy. And I scream at the television regularly, um, and I and I'm told that they can't hear me. But you know, that's. that's-
1: I, I want to say this. I want to stand up and scream and say, the verdict you got is not the check you ultimately received, and it right. just drives me bonkers. But it's It's responsible of us on on our end of things to acknowledge that it's an effective weapon by our opponents. There's absolutely no doubt about it, and we have to say that out loud. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, I want to laugh at some of them. And yeah, I think some of them are brilliant. but um it's it's pure jury priming and and like that's, it, it, it's what's happening,
0: yeah. so so not only are they saying we're fighting for America, but the thing that really gets you, is when you hear on one of these commercials that, hey, you've been in an accident. Don't worry about it. You're not suing Joe Smith, you're suing their insurance company. Yep. Insurance is in all the cases. It's only insurance. So now basically what they've done brilliantly is tainted every juror that's out there to think, well, this is an insurance case. And you know, that's obviously the third rail for any jury trial, as you can't discuss insurance, at least here in Pennsylvania. So the fact of the matter is they've done a pretty intelligent and, and genius job of basically tainting every potential juror we can find. So the question I pose is, what do we do? What are we going to do about it? I mean, yeah. what, what's the response from people who are getting sued to say, hey, we got to put a different message out there, which is, hey, by the way, they're not fighting for America. They're fighting for 40 percent. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We're not. We're, I mean, they love to say it, but. What's the reality of that? Um, What are your thoughts there? I got a couple. My first thought
1: is, of course, snarky, which is we should run a bunch of commercials to say, hey, 91 percent of the country has health insurance and they likely paid the bills in this case. And we'll pay the bill in the future and just have that be a generic commercial that we spread all over the place. Little snarky, but. You just said it. You're talking about insurance on one hand and it being available to pay the verdict. Uh, It's also available to pay the medical bills that have been put forth during the course of the case. What's good for the goose? Second, I've raised this through the year, last maybe like three, four, five years, and I don't have a great answer to it, but I can't help but think about it. Do we make a mistake sometimes reflexively keeping our settlements confidential? And that I, I... there are certain disciplines of cases where that is that is obviously going to be a problem, right? <clears throat> there are legitimate privacy reasons. There might be assault cases and things like that where people want absolutely nothing like that in the public domain, and I, and I get that. Um, but I am wondering if kind of your, your run-of-the-mill personal injury cases, maybe your trucking cases, maybe your dram shop cases, things like that, If we think a little bit more outside the box of, of not being so reflexively confidential about it to say, this is what the value of these things are, right? That's, that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin and a much cleaner one is we are absolutely terrible as a defense industry about broadcasting defense verdicts as a general measure. Um, And I've talked with a lot of different people about that and just trying to figure out how do we get more of that out there where I, we should put together a podcast that just says, here's people who won trials this week and, and and spread it through companies like DRI and let them share in it and CLM and things like that, just to say it's out there. But it's never going to move without data being available. And right, right now, the only data available is I got this verdict and I'm going to slap it on a billboard
0: or inside Citizens Bank Park or something. Right. Well, without doing inside baseball, as they say, you and I both know that on our team here at BBC, we do mine data and we do. I mean, we we have a nice, you know, our offices in New York and New Jersey, Pennsylvania West Virginia. we, we We monitor what's happening out there as far as our results. So at least we can give our clients that feedback to say, hey, on these kind of cases, this is what we're seeing internally. But you're right. I think the idea of putting it out there to the general public, sometimes good, sometimes bad. I mean, I don't know about you, but I always like to bounce cases off non-legal people. Yeah. What their thoughts are and what would you do with something like that? And what do you think that's worth? Um, There's a very different value that you see from a regular person, as they say, as opposed to someone who's jaded by everything that we do every day. But how about the idea of just the medical side of it being being the, the anchor, as they say? And we've talked about that on mediations and settlements. And and that's basically what you do, right? So so the concept of using medicals to say no no no, no the you know the the number you're going to hear about medical bills is not X, it's Y, right? Yep. Is, is that something helpful? Also, you think we can use in another way? I don't know.
1: I I mean we could do two hours on anchoring and what you do with it, right? There there is. So much research for it. There is so much work being done with it. I, I've had the good fortune. I went through an anchoring mock jury exercise a couple of weeks ago where that was really the focus of it was spending time with people and saying, here's what the, the, the medicals look like. Here's some context as to why it meets everything that the plaintiff needs. And here is some of the ways in which we got to the numbers. Clean sort of presentations explaining to them This wasn't the world's most gargantuan case but it was still something the defense was taking seriously i think that stuff is huge i think it matters a lot i think it requires a lot of work and a lot of thought and a lot of buy-in from people the more we talk about it the more we collaborate on it with uh you know our clients and and you know jury consultants and things along those lines the more of a service we are doing, I think, these days, P- people need anchoring and anchoring is definitively one, one of the best strategies we could employ in this particular market. Because going back to where we started, advertising is absolutely adding to claim severity these days. And we, we, we can't ignore that and just say, oh, these ads stink. We're not going to do anything. You know, it's right. got to try something.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. And, you know, the more I hear on some of this post-COVID juries and and what's coming back is when jurors aren't given real numbers or at least a response from the defense on real numbers, um, they're left either. We buy into whatever they're saying and, you know, we can talk, you know, about the the numbers that are being put on the board and what's really should be recoverable. Um, But I think there has to be. I think there has to be some kind of anchoring, so to speak, to say, well, here's what really the numbers are, because it gives a juror an out, right? I mean, it gives them an understanding of what they could do if they wanted to be, quote, more reasonable because they agree with more of the defense or or whatever it might be. So,
1: yeah. Some people look at it to say, oh, the plaintiff is looking for 20 million bucks and that's their demand in this case. And and they're asked before the jury, we did you a favor, defendant, it's only 10 million, right? (laughs) Because you told us it was zero. And that that doesn't fit a lot of cases in today's day and age. And so the sort of buzzy term we kind of use for it is to say anchoring with context. You can't just throw out some random number. It's got to be a number that that you can make meaningful inside of the case. And it's got to be done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So uh, before we get to our last topic, let's, let's talk a little bit about, and I, it's not really switching gears, but the mediation process and how in the post-COVID world um, we're seeing... know the hybrid system is working right so sometimes i don't have a problem with some mediations being um done remotely because quite honestly you can move a lot quicker you can get through things a lot faster because i sit as a mediator quite a bit i mean i sit for the court system here and i also sit you know on private cases and i'll tell you that on occasion for certain matters that are pretty straightforward you can kind of zip around and move quicker which i think the litigants like a lot more is to say, like, let's just get to the meat of it and and see if we can get this thing resolved. But then on some of them, I, I believe the in-person thing also is huge. What are your thoughts there?
1: I. It again requires a lot of serious sort of evaluation going in. I have absolutely been involved in very successful, very catastrophic cases that have resolved in mediation over Zoom where everybody was spread all over the place right that does exist and i i think some people still think it doesn't and and they they evaluate the issue based on the severity of the case the bigger it is we probably should be in person and that's a natural reaction i think it's much more about the mediator there's some really good mediators who have converted only to zoom and said i'm not i'm not ever going back and so if you want the person you gotta you gotta show up on that field um but there there are other ones where I would say what I'm thinking about the most is can I have a meaningful opportunity to speak to the family and say something, you know, that that is useful, constructive and hopefully moves the ball along. And I am still looking for as many of those in-person opportunities as we can. One of the things we've gotten away from, I'll ask you this, Steve, is definitely, as I view things after COVID, Ninety-five percent of my mediations don't involve an opening statement anymore. What
0: what are you seeing on that? I think in certain matters it really does help because you know sometimes on the other side they might feel pretty emboldened, one side or the other. They might say like, "I have a rock solid case. You're not going to change my mind." Okay, I'll go to mediation, but I have my heels are dug in. Well, sometimes that opening statement that might make them think a little bit. There's, there's yeah. more out there than they think. And there's more to the case than what they're anticipating. And oftentimes it's their clients that need to hear it too, right? So it's not only the, the litigants, but their clients need to hear it. And, and oftentimes I think that softens things up quite a bit, especially for the plaintiff side where the plaintiff, look, they've been through whatever they've been through and it's probably pretty traumatic for them. And to them, it's a one-sided deal. Like I I got injured, this injury is real. I'm suffering. I'm entitled to money, period. And it's a lot of money. But then when they hear there are defenses and maybe if I roll the dice, as I call it, going to the casino, if I go to the casino down the street and I spin the wheel, I could lose. And now that I'm hearing some things that maybe I need to reconsider a little bit. Yep. And I think that helps too, bringing the parties together a little bit. So there's certainly a big advantage sometimes to being together but I hear you like on zoom, you can get things done. It really depends on the case. I think you're hundred percent, right? You got to do that analysis. But when I'm sitting on the other side of it, when I'm the mediator to me, I'll do what's best for everybody. I mean, you yeah. they can tell me, especially if, if counsel or, you know, one attorney's in California and one's here, well, okay, then maybe, maybe we don't have to fly across the country for this, but maybe you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, a couple of things come to mind.
1: There, there's an access issue there. You know, we're involved in a lot of cases where people are really seriously hurt, and 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 part of the items that they're looking for compensation for is say, like, look, I I need a van to get around, and 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 I need to be able to be out in the community more, and I, I sympathize with that. That stuff is is a really big deal. Zoom does improve the access capabilities from time to time, and so that everybody can be involved, and I think that's a good thing. Sure. Um, but it makes me think of the bigger point uh, for for all of these these cases, which is a lot of times mediation planning can be very hasty, right? It can be okay. We've got a date, we've got a person, and then like the five days before, there's a bunch of stuff going on, and you're writing memos and all that kind of. I think one of the things that I've taken out of COVID is. The mediation process for all of us starts a lot earlier than the date of the mediation. It should be the type of thing that we're talking about maybe two or three months out. Do we need a session with the mediator ahead of time to perhaps have a little bit of an opening statement? Do we need to carve out specific time or maybe each side gets a half hour so that we don't go crazy with openings, but we have something going on? And maybe the way I'll put it is litigating the procedure of the mediation Maybe a little more than we used to, because there's a lot of sort of diverse, competing interests going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, part of that is also uh, from defense perspective. Most of our clients are not in our community, right? So they're yep. all over the country, and a lot of them now are permanently working remotely. So for them, they 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 would zoom in, but they don't really. That's not that's not what they want to do, and maybe that's not personally what they can do. So. I'm OK with the zoom in thing, but I, I'm with you there that maybe the opening statement is helpful because maybe our clients on our side need to hear it, too. They need to hear the plaintiff. They need to hear from the attorney to show that they got real issues on both sides. And and so it really depends on the case. But I think so far we're making it work. I mean, I, I think the mediations are up quite a bit. <laughs> no, uh, binding arbitrations are up quite a bit because. You know, you really never know what you're going to get on the other side. But um, and when I say other side, I mean going down the street to the courthouse. Yeah. But you got to just make it work, right? Yeah, and and it's uh, I
1: definitely agree with you. The mediations are up; they're more frequent. Um, sometimes they're they're in multiples, you know, which is something I think we'll we'll probably end up talking about in the future in greater depth. But uh, the just the number maybe the number one thing i've taken out of out of covid specifically inside of cases is that the mediation process is longer and broader and it ought to be thought of that way and and for somebody who's a little younger like me in a, in an age where the jury trial is evaporating a little bit too fast these these are my trials and and i kind of think about them that way to say it starts a lot earlier there's a process and I don't want to be the guy who's trying to write a 25-page memo three days before it anymore because I don't think it helps people as much. And if we look at it that way and we use the technology to have various versions of the mediation, if we're meeting with the mediator on Zoom a couple of weeks before and having a discussion, and then we're having the in-person session the day of, we, we have those abilities now. And that that was not how they were, you know, run for me, you know, 10 years ago at all, and maybe even five
0: years ago. But it's a lot closer to how they're being run today. Oh, yeah. All right, last topic that we could probably take a full day on is AI. And <laughs> I got to tell you, like, it, it the whole thing blows me away, quite honestly. Um, I'm sure you've done it. I would say probably everybody that's listening has gone on and chat GPT to see what it's like and just get a flavor for it. Um, It's amazing. It's amazing. And and what I'm what I'm seeing is it's spreading out in all directions extremely rapidly. For example, I just saw my first social media post about how to get my case evaluated via AI and that this company will use AI to give me a complete demand package by providing real value on other cases in my community. And then I can bring it to the other side, very polished, and ask for you know gobs of money well beyond probably what the value of the case is using AI. Um, but there's some pitfalls, right? Oh my
1: god. Well, I I'm <laughs> sure everybody has seen the, the lawyers who got busted for their terrible citations on AI, right? There there was there was that aspect, and that's kind of the horror story. I I'm taking a page out of the college professor playbook, right? They're really worried about it from a from a ethical standpoint and whether or not people are just mailing in assignments and things like that. And that spooks me, right? I, I am not interested yet in saying, here's my motion. I'm not going to look at it, right? That's not going to happen. I am very interested in utilizing it as a resource foundationally. And so I will say to say to it, OK, great. Pretend you are a civil litigator in the state of Pennsylvania. Pretend you need to know about the collateral source rule and pretend I need to write 10 paragraphs about that. And you're you're as good as you tell it to be. And when the more you give it that information, those prompts, I am getting something that is occasionally making me think of something else. And and that's how I'm doing it right now to incorporate it and and get comfortable with it.
0: The pitfalls though are big. Yeah, I I agree. I I think I think using it now for just the ideas or the thoughts of maybe that I didn't think about this argument, maybe I didn't think about that argument. I think it's great, Uh, but then you got to go do your own homework and get it done. But I got to tell you, it's only a matter of time, right? I mean, the window is is closing on that because as AI gets better and better, there is going to be a time when you could just file briefs that way, and there is going to be that. I mean, that's they say within five years, right? I mean, within five years, we're going to be we, we're not going to need writers
1: uh, Did
0: it, didn't you is, say earlier that you were a dinosaur you don't sound right. like a dinosaur anymore well, I, Steve. i'll tell you what it's to me it's it's amazing it really it is it amazing. amazing and I and i agree with you that it is
1: only a matter of time we're 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 just getting kind of our arms around it right and the the zoom acceleration happened pretty fast because of covid right it was that was sheer force i think it's going to make the ai timeline be a lot shorter in terms of its general acceptance because we've kind of gone through something already that forced a lot of change and five years or less on the technology and and maybe seven years or less on sort of general acceptance because i it's it's inevitable it's clearly inevitable and we serve our people better our clients better if we're playing with it, if we're on top of it, if we're using it responsibly, and if we're ultimately incorporating it, because they're going to ask us to, and, and rightfully so, it's it's going to be useful.
0: Yeah. So I, I think that's that's something we could use on a future podcast to have a full, I mean, a full 40 minutes on that one, because uh, quite honestly, it's to me, it's amazing. And I think uh, within a few years, there's going to be a whole host of issues that we probably aren't even talking about now. We haven't thought about, including mediations, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, could you just funnel information into one of these platforms and then it'll come out and say the case is worth X? I haven't
1: asked, I haven't asked chat GPT what it thinks of brackets and midpoints yet. Yeah, (laughs) that's
0: what I mean. I mean, it's only gets good. You know, it's going to happen. But anyway, uh, that's for another day, I think. Yeah. But hey, man, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I I, I think uh, at this point we can call it and say, good job. Well done. Um, I'm going to Cease the recording now, but hey, thanks. This was yeah, man, we did it. Thank you. Hey, let's do it again. Let's do it again, right? And like, can't wait for episode two? two.
1: Can't wait for episode two. I'm
0: excited. Same here.
1: Same here.